Hi, I'm Kathy Walker, teacher, feminist and parent, and this is Raise Her Up, a podcast from the GDST, the UK's leading family of girls' schools. With 19,000 students across 25 schools and the largest women's alumni network of its kind, we are experts in girls' education and everything that goes with it. Even as a teacher with over 20 years' experience of working with young people, and as a mum of two girls, I am still learning every day. I think we all are. In each episode, we'll welcome an expert guest who will address a different topic that, as modern parents, we are bound to encounter at some point. My guest for this episode of Racer Up is cybersecurity expert Michaela Hart. It's actually being careful about the information you're sharing. You have a school emblem on your blazer. If you're on video, people will know which school that you work at or you attend. So it's just actually being careful in a constructive way rather than in a scaremongering way. As BT's Director of Security, Michaela works with government departments and multinationals to help them understand key cyber risks. Her work as a cybersecurity expert has also led her to co-found EAWARE, an organisation which works with parents and schools to help teach their children and young people to thrive in a digital age. From the GDST, this is Raise Her Up and this is Michaela Hart. Hello, Michaela. Thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Hi, Cathy. Great. Thank you for the invitation to join you. So, Michaela, talk us through how you came to be interested in, in cybersecurity. What brought you to this top security role at BT? It was quite a long journey, actually, Cathy. So um, I started my career several years back, actually working for one of the first internet service providers in the UK, um, really before the internet was a thing, even before web browsers. Um, so quite a long time ago. But my career developed actually working then for a number of large telecommunications companies providing connectivity services to customers. And in about 2005, 2006, it became sort of prevalent that customers wanted security as well as a network. So so as they were building out their networks, they really required security as that solution. Um, so I, at that point, decided to, um, to sort of specialize in cybersecurity. I approached a company who were a specialist in that field, a German company, actually, um, but had a presence in the UK. And so 2007, um, I sort of joined that company and have really specialized in cybersecurity ever since and uh, joined BT four years ago and um, sort of delighted to now be responsible for security in the UK for BT. And your industry is, is not known for being one that is particularly gender equal. What's your experience been as a female director of security? Yeah, there is a gender imbalance in telecoms, IT, and, and especially really in cyber security. And I guess sort of if I reflect, um, it was very evident, um, although sort of personally, I judge people by actually who they are, and what they bring to the table versus their gender. Um, but if I do reflect, there was a gender imbalance. But actually now we have a lot of active programs in BT to to encourage both gender um, and ethnic diversity in our workforce. And I actually bring in sort of six to eight graduates each year and we develop them in cyber. And actually this year, my intake of six was actually five ladies um, and one gentleman. So we're really going a long <laughs> way to address that gender imbalance. Excellent work. I'm delighted to hear it. But your, your work is not just confined to the corporate world, is it? Tell us about eAware. You co-founded that in 2015 and it helps to educate children about how to stay safe online. Tell us about what prompted you to do it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was with a number of colleagues that I was working with in the corporate cyber world. In fact, one of our um, senior directors' um, daughter was actually sort of approached to really try and obtain corporate information. And so that made us really aware of the vulnerability of sort of individuals, of families, and, and certainly of sort of younger people using the internet. And off the, the back of that, really, what we um, did is worked with a team of educational psychologists doing research into cyberbullying and the impacts of cyberbullying. And really with those two events as our trigger, um, we founded eAware and um, eAware is really focused on actually how we help children to stay safe online. But the approach that we've taken is the approach we take in the corporate world, which is before you can protect yourself, you first need to understand your level of vulnerability. And so the way that eAware works is it actually carries out an assessment of children of different age groups and understands actually their behavior online and their vulnerabilities. And then it provides tailored learning journeys for them so that we can educate them to use the internet in a much safer way. Thinking about children, I mean, the, 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 one of the worrying things as a parent, a carer or a teacher is that the breadth of threat is so, is so wide, isn't it? I mean, you talk about cyberbullying and that's somebody you know. And then there is the whole world out there of people that you don't know who might be pretending to be someone else. Um, how, how would you suggest that that we speak to our children about this without frightening them? I mean, how on earth do you explain to a child that there might be an adult out there pretending to be a child in order to to reach them and potentially do harm? Yeah, it's it's a really sensitive topic and one one through we aware that we do address. And I think the thing is, it is through um, education, it is through open conversation, um, and it's really teaching people to validate and to use validation to think carefully about the information they're sharing about themselves and to actually validate the people that they're engaging with. Um, but for example gaming platforms where you'll often be meeting strangers, you don't know who those strangers are. And so providing that piece of education um, so that people don't overshare personal information until they, they have validated and understand who it is that they're actually engaging with. And when you say validate there, you are actually meaning, you know, confirming the identity, being sure of who you're speaking to, right? Yes, absolutely. Unless you're sure of who you're speaking with and you've developed a level of trust with that person, it's actually being careful about the information then that you're sharing about, you know, your location, your family, your school, for example. And so one of the things we talk about is, you know, you have a school emblem on your blazer. If you're on video, people will know which school that you work at so it, or you attend. Yeah. So it's just actually being quite sort of careful and considered. But again, trying to do that in a constructive way rather than in a scaremongering way. Yeah, of course. It was interesting hearing you talk earlier on about somebody approaching a colleague's daughter to gain that corporate information. And I think a lot of us have that wow moment. Um, one of my colleagues had a daughter who was selling some shoes on eBay and she had somebody who was interested in, in buying them. And this person asked for a picture of her wearing the shoes and then kept asking for more and more pictures of her wearing the shoes until the mum twigged what was happening and was utterly appalled, obviously. Are you able to say what the kind of number one online threat is for, for a family, for a young person that a parent can look out for? 
I don't know what the number one threat is. I, I think trying to sort of obtain images or information in an untoward way is one certainly to be very mindful of. And certainly one of the education pieces that we talk about um, in eAware is actually, you know, what you're sharing online. So people will talk about a phenomenon sexting and sharing pictures and feeling pressurized. You share a first one and then you're asked to share more pictures. And I think, again, one of the things is being able to have a conversation with your parent, but also being aware of all organizations. Um, so for example, CEOPS, which is a division of the police, which is dedicated to preventing exploitation of children online so that you can report. And then what CEOPS will do is they will investigate and they will actually then sort of stop those people from being able to contact people on these platforms. You've spoken before about the term zero trust. Do you think that that risks our children kind of growing up full of mistrust and fear? Um, is there a way of reframing that? Zero trust is interesting because it does sound as if it has a negative connotation, but I... It does. It sounds scary. It does sound scary, but actually, sort of as a, I guess, a practitioner of zero trust, it's something that we help a lot of our corporate customers to adopt as a methodology. So it's like every time that somebody connects to a service, are they who they say they are? Um, you know, are they originating from the place we expect them to be originating from? And can they validate their identity? And if somebody doesn't want to validate their identity or share their identity then it is time to be cautious or be suspicious of them. And I think the same flows through to how we conduct our private and social lives online as well. In each episode of Raise Her Up, we hear from a member of our GDSE family to gain their perspective on the matter at hand. Today, we hear from Fee Kempton from Norwich High School, who is Trust Consultant Teacher for EdTech. Within the GDST, we not only prepare our students to be cyber secure, but also encourage skills which would make them great candidates for cybersecurity jobs in the future. Three examples of these skills would be problem solving, attention to detail, and a desire to communicate in order to learn, which are utilised every day in our schools. But our computing teachers strive to ensure that education about cybersecurity is balanced. It's not designed to scare. However, it is important for our students to know from the point at which they begin to use technology, how to use it responsibly and safely and how to make smart choices. Now, these things would be taught in Key Stage 1 and returned to in Key Stage 2, where responsible online communication is discussed in greater detail, especially the decision about what to share and what not to share. Both of these are taught as part of units which focus upon the benefits of technology and how it enables us and empowers us to access knowledge through the use of websites and to communicate globally through the internet. The balance comes from learning about issues such as data protection, types of hacking, malware and bots in a simulated experiential way, whilst also learning how to create coded solutions which can protect networks from attack and exploring available career choices in cyber defence. As part of that, many of the schools in our network participate in the Cyber First Girls competition, with seven teams making it to the semi-finals in 2021. This is a competition for Year 8 girls run by the National Cyber Security Centre with the aim of inspiring more girls to consider pursuing careers in cybersecurity, where students tackle challenges covering topics from networking and AI to cryptography and logic so that the potential of cybersecurity can be seen clearly and not just the threats. You talk about empowerment over prevention, don't you? 
Yes, we do. I mean, the cyber landscape, the threats are emerging all of the time. Um, you know, it used to be that it was sort of criminals and now it's actually sometimes even state sponsored. There are a lot of threats out there. But what we have to do is against that backdrop, um, we have to make sure that we're enabling businesses and that we're giving them the tools, the systems, the policies to actually enable their business. Of course. Let's go back to what you just said about um, the working from home that we've all been doing throughout the pandemic. Given the kind of the non-negotiable security requirements that you must have in place, how did you suddenly have your workforce working in their kitchen or working in their front room, working in their bedroom, but knowing that your security was still completely intact? Yeah, so it was, I mean, that was a huge program for us. You know, BT employs 100,000 people. And as you say, a number of those people work in secure environments. And and actually not just in the security team, call centers where people are taking payments, you know, they need to have secure systems to take payments from customers. So there were a number of considerations. Um, we did something which we call personas. So we would profile an individual, we would profile the systems they needed access to, why they needed that access, and then we would deploy security for each persona grouping. Um, so you didn't need the highest level of security for everybody, but for the people who were focused on secure contracts for the Ministry of Defence, for example, or the police, which have traditionally always been, you know, secure locations, but we were able to actually um, enable them to continue working in a remote way. And if you take that, that idea of personas and put it in a family setting, if we have a child who is more kind of a TikToker or somebody who is is playing Roblox or somebody who's on Instagram. Um, obviously, I have no vested interest in asking you this, Michaela. <laughs> yeah, and actually, it's interesting. Personas isn't something we've yet taken across into earware, but I love the question, Kathy, because absolutely it is. And I think to your point, the vulnerability comes down to how an individual child is engaging online. So anything that has interactivity needs a level of understanding and awareness. And, and I think also it's becoming conscious of the potential risk and then making sure that you're sort of identifying it. In BT, we, we ran a program called Turning on the Human Firewall. Turning on the Human Firewall is really about your behavior because a lot of vulnerabilities come about when an individual clicks on a link or sends a piece of information to somebody who wasn't validated. And so sort of turning on the human firewall is something that we encourage people to do. And what we say is sort of stop, think, respond. So rather than just clicking, just pause a second. You know, does that address look correct? Is is this somebody that you've communicated with before? And I think it's just taking that moment to pause um, is sort of really important for everybody in the family. And that's whether that's, you know, personal use or um, business use. So stop, think, respond. That is a really helpful key thing that we can keep in mind. And helpful as well, I guess, because I guess that we do become complacent, don't we? Certainly, you know, as a parent, they switch off, don't they? Yeah, I, I think it is something that can become complacent. What we tried to do through eAware is make the learning materials interactive and engaging. So we use animation, they're sort of short video clips um, so that it's something that's engaging and they can be topic specific. And so we found that that's resonated well. But I think that, you know, just actually raising awareness and raising it into people's consciousness, that sort of is a really powerful beginning. And then I think people can sort of develop their knowledge. And, and to your point about personas in the home, you know, 
as children grow up, there'll be different platforms that they'll want to interact with, which with them will bring different levels of risk. And so I think it's just being sort of mindful of that and being able to have that conversation um, as a family rather than just ignoring it. And, and again, for us, it is about empowering and having the conversation rather than turning the device off and blocking access. I think, you know, everybody should be able to thrive in the online world and sort of use all of those digital tools and platforms to, to sort of enhance life as long as they're doing it safely and securely. So, Michaela, can you give us some advice about how we could respond if our worst fears are actually realised, if we find out that our child is being bullied online, for example, or has an unpleasant experience online? Yeah. So I think an important thing is people knowing where to go for help when something does go wrong. So actually, um, last Friday, I was attending a charity ball hosted by the NSPCC to raise funds for Childline. And it's actually sponsored by the cyber community. And one of the founders um, of actually the event, the White Hat Ball, stood up and shared a story about his teenage daughter being bullied by a group of people online. And actually the impact that had on them as a family and how they were able to respond. And so I think one of the things is, is that these things unfortunately do and will happen. And I think when they do, it's really, really important to know where to go for help. Um, so CEOPS is a dedicated police unit um, to prevent the exploitation of children online. If in the event something does happen, proactively reach out to CEOPS um, immediately. Of course. So talk us through how a family might engage with eAware. So we sell eAware into a number of schools and schools take the program and they deliver that as often part of their digital learning. Um, and that includes both the assessment and the learning pathways. And then actually the content on our website is available to parents to download. And that's age specific and also topic specific. So if it's bullying, if it's sexting, um, and if it is again about roadblocks, we do, you know, you sort of mentioned that we have specific content around that as well. And so you can just sort of really go have a look at the website and then browse that content and sort of look at the videos that then might help you or, or that you might want to share actually with, with your children as well. Brilliant. That's so helpful. Thank you, Michaela. So, so parents and carers who are listening, they, they may have a child or, or a teen upstairs or in the lounge on their device, gaming, messaging, watching, etc. Any final top tips to help engage and keep them safe in cyberspace? stop, think, respond and keep having a conversation. I think to, you know, don't make this a taboo subject um, and, and sort of, you know, don't be afraid to have the conversation. That's interesting, isn't it? It is about not kind of shutting it down and not switching off the Wi-Fi. Have you ever done that yourself? Switched off the Wi-Fi as a, as a last resort? Um, no, I've not switched off the Wi-Fi. Um, but, but I think, again, I think, you know, empowerment and education is much more powerful than sort of than control and blocking. Completely agree. Stop, think and respond. Brilliant. Thank you so much for being with us today, Michaela. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. My pleasure. Thank you, Cathy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Raise Her Up from the GDST. To hear all the experts we have on this series and to make sure you don't miss one, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave a review and a five-star rating, it'll help other parents and carers to find the podcast so they can listen and learn too. I'm Cathy Walker. Join me on the next episode of Raise Her Up from the GDST when I'll be with Phil Armstrong of Early Education on how we talk to our children in the early years. Be intrigued by their play because what children are doing there is they're creating stories. Sometimes I'll say to schools that those areas of your classroom are story factories and they need someone who will give them that time to listen. It is absolutely critical. I'll see you then.